the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The significance of cleaning the house the right way. Next, on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Here in Luke chapter 11, Jesus talks about casting out demons and only having them to return with more because nothing was done once they've been cast out. Pretty much like drying your sink while the water is running, right? We'll get a glimpse into what Jesus is saying here today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Welcome to our program. If you'll join us, we're in Luke 11, looking at verses 14 through 28. Message called, You Are Either Gathering to Christ or Scattering. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. This person has had a demon cast out of him, and he sweeps his house clean, really clean. Verse 25. He tries to straighten up his life and break old habits, but then the demon goes and gets seven of his buddies more evil than himself, and they go in and they take up residence in this house. Now notice what it says. I'm going to return to my house. These demons aren't forcing themselves on this man. Here is a guy who had a demon cast out of him, and he sort of straightened up his life. And then the demon says, I think I'll go back to my house, and I'll bring a few of my buddies with me, and I'll make his life worse and worse, more evil than it was the first time I was in possession. Now, what is the point? Here is a man who realized his life wasn't what it should have been. Jesus performed a miracle. The man tried to then straighten up his life and bring it into into moral order. But he never surrendered his life to the Spirit of God. So in all of his efforts to straighten up his, his life, the house was swept clean. But it was vacant. And as a result, the demon comes back with even more evil, making him worse than he was before. Now, there's a great lesson here. There's a great lesson here for excommunicated people who are trying to straighten up their lives. There is a great lesson here for backslidden people who are feeling guilty about their lapses. There is a great lesson here for husbands and wives whose spouse is getting after them for their rebellion, and they decide to get back on track. So they go to a counselor, and the counselor says, here's a proverb that will work for you. Do this. Do this every day, three times a day, for two weeks, and everything's going to be okay. Here, here, over here are some laws. Follow them. If you do this, everything's going to be good. So the excommunicated person who's tired of being excommunicated, the backslidden person who's tired of being backslidden, the disobedient spouse who is tired of being disobedient, try to get their lives in order, and they sweep out all of those things that no one likes about them, especially God. 
They really put their energy into it. And they try, and they try, and they try. But the house is still empty. And there is no surrender of the heart to Jesus Christ. No pleading that the Spirit would fill up their lives. And eventually, they just quit sweeping. Eventually say, this doesn't work. I'm just stirring up dust. And they become more rebellious than they were before they tried to clean up their lives. They are neutral about Christ, thinking they can have victory over their lives without Him, and they can't do it. You know, that's what made a man who God used tremendously in our generation such a pathetic tragedy. And his name is William Bennett. He is a quote-unquote conservative Republican who served as drug czar under President Ronald Reagan. He wrote a book probably all of you know titled The Book of Virtues. But he also wrote a book that is the saddest book that I have ever read. It is a book that is on the analysis of what is wrong with America. And he said the problem in America ultimately are not political or economical. They are not spiritual and moral. And what we need is a revival. We need a revival. And until these moral issues are dealt with, forget the political and economic ones. We've got to sweep this house clean. And how are we supposed to bring about this revival? Do you write a book on virtues? And try to do all these things in your own power? We don't need a revival of moral values, beloved. A revival of energetic devotion to doing right things. You can sweep the house clean, but as long as it is vacant, and as long as Christ is absent from the cure, this kind of advice is of no value to us. It is typical, empty, conservative thinking. And it is not accidental that William Bennett has been exposed to an, extreme, to be an extremely addicted gambler, having lost millions of dollars in casinos all over this country. One demon is cast out, the house is swept clean, but if Christ does not take up residence there, seven more demons will come into your life. You say, Gary, you've convinced me. I need to straighten up my life. I'm going to do better. And you sweep your house clean. But if you don't surrender your life totally and completely to Christ, more demons will come. And this is directed at any individual, family, or nation who has the opportunity of receiving Christ, but who tries to remain neutral about Him. So they fall into the power of Satan. A person's inner life cannot remain swept and clean, but vacant and uninhabited. You know, everyone wants to reform America. The Democrats want to do it. The Republicans want to do it. The Constitutionalists want to do it. But they all want to do it without Christ. So hold on, beloved. Hold on. Because six more demons will fill this empty house. Now let me make some applications. 
how strongly Jesus teaches about the impossibility of neutrality. Listen to J.C. Ryle. Let it be the settled determination of our minds that we will serve Christ with all our hearts if we serve him at all. Let there be no reserve, no compromise, no half-heartedness, no attempt to reconcile God and materialism in our Christianity. Let us resolve by God's help to be with Christ and gather by Christ's side and allow the world to say and to do what it will. It may cost us something at first, but it will certainly repay us in the long run. He that follows Jesus most fully will always follow him most satisfactorily. The half-hearted Christian attracts none by the beauty of his life and wins no respect from the world. Notice also when we apply these stories how dangerous it is to be content with any change in our lives short of full-blown, heart-given conversion to God. Listen to Bishop Ryle again. There is no safety except in thorough Christianity. To lay aside open sin is nothing unless grace is in our hearts. To cease to do evil is a small matter if we do not also learn to do well. The devil must not only be cast out, the Holy Spirit must take his place. Christ must dwell in our hearts by faith. We must not only be reformed on the outside, we must be born again from the inside. Many professing Christians, it may be feared, are deceiving themselves. They are not what they once were before they called themselves Christians, and so they flatter themselves that they are what they ought to be. After all, they no longer break the Sabbath. They no longer are daring sinners, and so they dream that they are really Christians. They do not see that they have only changed one kind of devil for another. They are now governed by a decent, moralistic, pharisaic devil instead of an audacious, riotous, unclean devil. But the tenet within is the devil still, and their last end will be worse than the first. Then Luke concludes this string of stories with this homey little story in verses 27 and 28. And it came about while he said these things, one of the women in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. But he said, Yea, neither. Yea, rather. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. Now this is a beautiful little story. Here is a mother, surely, with a number of children. She knows what it's like to nurse children and to give birth to them. She loves them. She knows that close tie between mother and child. And she is watching Jesus perform all these miracles. And she hears him preach. And she is so impressed with him that she just blurts out, Oh, what a blessing it must be to be your mother. Oh, what a great honor. How blessed your mother must be who gave birth to you and nursed you in your infancy. Now, some commentators have said, This is actually the beginning of Mary Olatry. Here is where people began to worship Mary. You know, Roman Catholics have too high a view of Mary. But I think Protestants have too low a view of Mary. Can you imagine, of all the women in the world who ever lived, 
God chose this 14-year-old Palestinian girl of the first century to be the mother of Jesus Christ. And what did the angel say to her? Hail Mary, full of grace. Not full of grace to be a mediator, but God sovereignly bestowed great grace upon this woman. She was blessed among all women. It was a great honor to be the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus does not downplay that. He goes a little further and he says, you know, you're right. My mother is a wonderful woman. And then he says in verse 28, on the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it, who do it. And he was saying, in effect, Mary wasn't blessed because she had me in her womb. It was because she had me in her heart. The reason Mary was blessed was because she surrendered her heart to her son and sought to observe his word throughout her life. And you know, Luke is the only one who records this incident, which is understandable for Luke, since he repeatedly emphasizes the love and the tenderness of the Lord Jesus Christ in the way that he treated women. But why... Did he put this story here? He is saying, if a person is for Christ, this is the way he's going to live. A blessed life is a life of obedience to the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, Mark follows up this account of Jesus casting out demons with a more expanded version in Mark 3, verse 21. He says, And his mother and brothers arrived, And standing outside, they sent word to him and called him. And a multitude was sitting around him, and they said to him, Behold, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. And answering them, he said, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about on those who were sitting around him, he said, Behold, these are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. He says, There is something thicker than blood, and it is obedience to the Word of God. If someone is for me, you are going to be able to tell it in the way that he lives. Does the Word of God govern his life? That's the way a person is who follows Christ. He is never neutral. He is not neutral about anything. Do you know how people criticize people like you and I? They say, for you, everything seems to be either black or white. There are no gray areas. And when I say that, when they say that to me, I say, congratulations. You now understand Jesus. You are either for me or against me. Everything is black or white. You have Christians today who believe that sometimes we have to choose between the lesser of two evils. They say sometimes in making decisions, there is not simply a right thing. Sometimes we have to do the less sinful thing. And if that is the case, beloved, providence is not worth anything. There is never a time in your life 
when you only have two evils to choose from. Never a time. There is always a right thing to do in every single situation. God would not, by His providence, would He, set you up so you had to sin? Do you think that's the way God is? Because if you choose the lesser of two evils, you are still choosing evil. You say, but Gary, what about when we're voting? You've got Democrats and Republicans, so you've got the lesser of two evils. Don't vote for either one of them. If they are both evil, don't vote for evil. It's hard, but there's always a right thing to do. There is never, there is never a gray area with God. There is never a neutral thing to do. You are always for Christ or you are against Him. Now that's difficult for modern man with his pragmatism and his relativism. Even Christians to comprehend and to agree with. But I tell you, beloved, that is the way the church of the Lord Jesus Christ has lived in most of its history to the point of being fed to the lions. Caesar said, I'll feed you to the lions. You can worship any god you want to, but whenever you see my statue, you better bow your head. You don't have to prostrate yourself. Just nod your head. Now, what can happen in America if we disobey ungodly authority? Well, we think, I don't want to lose my job. I've got bills to pay. And I surely don't want to go to jail. After all, I don't believe what they're asking me to do. And, and Jesus knows my heart. He knows I believe in Him. So I'll just do this little neutral thing and go along to get along. There is nothing neutral. Christians were willing to be torn to pieces by lions before they would show allegiance to an evil ruler who set himself up as God. Not even a simple bowing of the head. But we are such pragmatists and relativists in our day, this seems so radical. But notice what Jesus said here. He said, those people who are not neutral toward me, those who have surrendered their lives to do my will and obey me, they have become my family. And in that family of all those who do my will, Jesus says, I am closer to them than my own brothers and sisters and mother. Oh, that's quite a statement, isn't it? In the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, where you have people who should never be neutral about anything and who seek to govern their lives strictly by the Word of God in everything they think, say, do, and think, that creates a family. And you need one another to survive. In the early church, when the Roman soldiers went to arrest an entire congregation... And they would take them into the arena where all the spectators were laughing and saw as entertainment the tearing of flesh by lions. A little congregation of 50 or 60 Christians, men, women, and children, would huddle together in that arena and they would sing hymns, the same hymns. They were just praising God with a church. And then the lions would tear to pieces those on the outside of the huddle until they reached the middle. And the song would only die 
as that last person, and usually it was a woman or a child, was ripped apart. Could you and your children do that, beloved? These early Christians understood what the family of God is, especially when their own blood relatives turned against them for their faithfulness to Christ. So are you truly for Christ or against Him? We are asked this question a lot, but I really want you to think about this today. It is not enough to say, it is not enough to say, I am for Him. That is not sufficient unless someone is pointing a rifle at your head and says, I kill you unless you deny Him. Then it means something. When Jesus says you are either for me or against me, He is saying you are either actively, knowingly gathering people to me or you are scattering people from me. There is no neutral ground, no middle of the road. Are you actively involved in the discipleship of your children and your grandchildren or is it just haphazard, hit and miss? Or do you even hand the bulk of it off to the church or some Christian school? Are you actually involved in winning your friends and fellow employees to Christ? Or are you just praying for them? Or even that. Oh, I'm praying for them. I'm crying out to God for them. That is just hypocritical verbiage. If you have the ability and the strength to gather them and you are not doing it. You young people, are you actively involved in winning your peers to Christ? Or are you letting the world's lifestyle actively gather you? If, you are, if we are truly active in our calling, where is the proof of it? This church should be bursting at its seams. Do you really have a heart to win the lost to Christ and to show to the world there is no neutrality in your service to Him? That you would stand solidly on the rock of Christ without compromise, no matter the consequences. And one more thing. Are you actively involved in casting out the demons in this nation? Again, there is no neutral ground. There is no time off. There is no leaving the battlefield. There are no truces. There are no ceasefires. You are either gathering to Christ or you are scattering away from Him. You are either for Christ actively and conspicuously standing for Him or you are Satan's Benedict Arnold. And my earnest prayer for you and me is that we will not stop gathering for Christ this side of the grave and that we will honestly Ask Him for forgiveness if we are lacking in any way in this area. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, fill us with Your Spirit that we may be occupied with His presence. We are blind. Send into us and make us see. We are dark. Let him say, let there be light. May you give us faith to behold our name engraved in his hand. Our soul and body redeemed by your blood. Our sinfulness covered by the life of your pure obedience. O oh Lord, replenish us by your grace. 
and strengthen us to pursue actively in this world your righteousness and your glory. And Father, if you will, let your Spirit so indwell us that we are willing to go out into this world at whatever sacrifice you ask to call more and more people into your kingdom. May your Spirit motivate us and may your Spirit so work within us that we use our life in multiple ways to bring you glory and honor. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408 Eight six six five six zero seven. We thank you for joining us and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.